Hi friends, I'm here. Just a quick word before we dive in. This podcast is still not clean, so protect your ears if you must. Otherwise, we'll see you in there. Take 76. Hi, Gemstones. Welcome to another episode of Takes All Over the Place. I'm Nick, and I'm 90% Nose. And I'm Julie. She's a pile of coats masquerading as a human. <laughs> Hi, Emma. Hello. Hi, Emma. You? <laughs> Hi, Emma. Emma's our beloved editor and the glue that holds us together. For sure. Today, we're going to be talking about Kiki Burtons, a Dutch tennis player. Why? You'll find out. Ooh, teaser. Uh, we're going to talk about the Fire Festival again and my love of documentaries for water. We're going to talk about race relations on daytime. Yes, Martin Luther King Jr. celebration fail on The View, just like everything else. We're going to talk about Josh Thomas and our love, love, love of Please Like Me, and we're going to give a chance, chance, chance to everything's going to be all right on Freeform. And we hope you have a blast with us. Stay tuned. Fresh from our isolation booth, so we preserve all of the freshness of contact for On the Air... Instead of wasting it in Julie's car, as we typically do. Julie, what are your hot takes on this cold, cold Cincinnati day? Hot takes? Well, thanks, Nick. Thanks so much for asking. You're so welcome. So, I'm still obsessed with documentaries this week. And last week it was Cheer. 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 If you haven't seen it, watch it. Watch it. So this week I ended up on a very depressing one about Aaron Menendez, who was a football player who lived on the down low, murdered some people, CTE, terribly sad. So then I started thinking about documentaries that I really love, right? So I think that um, cults are my favorite or multi-level marketing. So if it's about Theranos and Elizabeth Holmes, if it's about Jim Jones, whether it's the documentary or the made-for-TV movie starring Powers Booth, I'm in. Uh, Going clear about Scientology, I love a documentary about a cult or any people that are gathered together and doing something wrong. So (laughs) that leads me to my real hot take, which is... The guy from Fire Festival. Did you watch that documentary? The one who sucks dick for water. Correct. So now he is the spokesman for <laughs> Evian Water. Amazing. So if you don't know this story, there's a guy named Billy who's a complete asshole. He he and Ja Rule um, built these millionaires out of money and scammed them and lied. He's incarcerated now, but it literally was like uber rich people going down for this vacation where there were no tents, there's nothing to do. If you have not watched both Fire Festival documentaries, there Which were Which one did you prefer, by the way? Because there is a Hulu and there's a Netflix. I Well, one of them was paid by, by Fuck Jerry, the media corporation, the one on Hulu they paid for. Heard. So that is a conflict of interest. But you get to talk to Billy, the cocksucking fucking moron in that one, so that's amazing. So anyway... So there is this guy who is the entertainment director who's a millionaire. And he, Billy, gets him to do all this stuff for him. His name's Andy King. So at one point they start talking to him on Hulu. And Andy says, Billy comes to me. We can't get this water through customs. Everybody's coming. We can't get the water through customs. And he said, "I I need you to take one for the team. I need you to go home. I need you to go to the customs agent. And I need you to suck his dick. And then he'll let us have the Evian water. So you're like, how did they know that would work? What? Huh? So you're like, of course you told him to fuck off, right? And he's like, so I went home and I took a shower to freshen up to make sure that I was desirable. So he goes down to the customs agent and the guy's like, you don't have to suck my dick. You can have the water. It's fine. So while they're escaping the island, because 
Lord of the Flies happens almost immediately. There are not enough beds for one-tenth of the people. And instead of just, like, making it work, they just start pissing on beds because it's all entitled rich white people. It is like the Titanic, except it disproportionately affects the upper classes this time, which feels <laughs> karmically appropriate. So much anger. So, here's Notice Andy King. stopped with the reassuring touches of my shoulder, <laughs> which I no longer appreciate because that was quite comforting, but continue. So... You're sitting at home. So anyway, people are escaping the island, and he's doesn't fleeing want it, poverty, fleeing. So he pays someone to switch clothes with him and sneaks off the island. So he's a complete piece of shit. Fast forward two years later, Ebion Water thinks it'll be hilarious to have him as their spokesman. I mean, it's just amazing how this world is working out for him. You know, he should be publicly shamed, yeah. flogged, fuck off forever. Yeah. He doesn't need to be canceled. He said in interviews he doesn't really know about social media. He didn't realize it was going to go viral. He didn't really understand what's happening. But he's really enjoying the fame. That is, it does feel sort of like the Sean Spicer redemption story where, first of all, here's someone who's the mouthpiece for the most corrupt presidential regime, let's call it, in the history of our great nation. He hid in the bushes from the <laughs> press. He hid in the bushes. Sean Spicer? Yeah. That's inherently He didn't want to answer too. the question. So a little cruise culture. Why not? <laughs> um, but then he had that whole bit on the Emmys, I think, where he came out sort of like as himself, as Melissa McCarthy, and then he was on fucking Dancing with the Stars. So that's brutal. I will admit the only thing that I know about Evigan Water Guy is the memes. Most of my tangential awareness of anything that's happening in pop culture is how it's joined with meme culture. And so it's like... You know, when you're in an interview and they ask, like, what are you willing to do for this job? And it's just that tune in the clip right before it's like, and I was fully prepared to suck that man's dick. And he really was! And he was fully prepared. You, th you, that's all you needed. The memes have told you the full truth about this. They story. told me the full truth, but when he got the Evian thing, I was like, oh, natural, brilliant. And not realizing that he's actually a piece of shit. Which I guess I should have gleaned because he's an <laughs> older white gentleman. You've taught me so much about real life and also that MLM is actually a multi-level media marketing scheme and not a cute sound a cat makes. <laughs> Malum. <laughs> Malum. <laughs> Which is kind of what I thought it was when I kept seeing it on Reddit. <laughs> it was like, little bub, Mr. Bub. Little Malum. When the water just gets sort of caught in your little whiskers. You're spinning out. Spinning out. Um, okay, great. So that's my hot take. The... Suck dick guy is now the spokesman for. Okay. Did you watch Spinning Out yet? Oh, I tried. Wow, was it bad? In an was it amazing terrible? Way. I mean, I'm going to keep working because Trixie and Katya really liked it, sure, but sure, I did sure, get sure. to see the girl bite herself on the arm, which was amazing. Yeah. But I didn't... So what I'm saying, this week was not like, wow, amazing content. Yeah. I mean, this week for me was just like eschewing even more social contact than I typically eschew. And just sort of like... Nice SAT a... word, by the way. Thank you. Notice I used it twice because I couldn't think of a synonym. <laughs> Maybe I'm pronouncing wrong. I want to talk about Kiki Burtons, who is a Dutch tennis player in an effort to appeal to our one listener from the Netherlands. Hi, guy from the Netherlands. <laughs> Possibly lady. It's tough to say. Whoever you are and whatever gender you choose to associate with, or if you want to eschew the gender binary altogether, Ooh. we welcome you. <laughs> and we're happy to have you here. Um, that was really just, like, over-pandering. I... Kiki Burton's is a great tennis player, and the Australian Open is in full swing right now, and that's great, and that's the entirety of my existence at the moment. It started yesterday. Serena Williams did amazingly. The rest was rained out, which, like, thank God for Australia. Yes, the rains have come. The rains have come, not just to Africa, Toto, but now also to Australia. So that's quite pleasurable um, and enjoyable. 
Synonyms. Synonyms, I know. Just like a walking thesaurus, man. Give me a word, I'll, I'll tell you about it. <laughs> By defining with a different word. So, it, Kiki's a woman? Kiki Burtons is a woman. Okay. She's the highest ranked female tennis player from the Netherlands. She's made it up to number four. And she's currently... <laughs> this is mass appeal content, I know. I'm really hitting that, that one home. I mean, we do have dozens of viewers now. Or listeners, as they're called. Um, no one can see us. <laughs> but, like, imagine if they could. It would be so much more fun yes. if they could see us. They could see your little patronizing pants. <laughs> um, I guess I should talk about my hot take now. That, that was your hot take. Oh, cool. Amazing. Mission accomplished. <laughs> She's not hot right now. She's hot because we're pandering to our one Dutch listener in the hopes that he'll be like, what? I think it's a man. What do you think? Kiki Burton's? No, the one Dutch listener we have. I feel like, it's tough to say, I feel like our market is gay men, perhaps, but I feel like our entire listening group, let's call it, at the moment, audience, audience <laughs> words, is predominantly female at the moment. So, I don't know, maybe we're branching out and Europe is where we really mine the men. <laughs> It's the number one export of the Netherlands. I Wikipedia it. It had been recently edited, though, by me to make it seem more interesting. Did you have any more information about Kiki? Like to so, share Kiki Burton's with our yeah. Friends? Kiki Burton's recently split from her coach Raymond Schutler, <laughs> and together they allowed her to reach the peak of number four. Interestingly, Raymond Schutler won an award for best coach, but Kiki, nominated in a similar category, did not win for best player. So all the credit has been largely given to her coach for her successes. So she's recently split from him, non-contentiously, I've heard. Pause. Is there an Emmys of tennis that I don't know about where you're up for best coach or best player? I've never heard of that. Yeah, it's like the Laureus Sports Awards. Have you not heard of that? It's hella prestigious. Sorry, no. And they have one in like each individual country. Like we have the ESPYs, for right. instance. And I, like the ESPYs. Okay. Like with the <laughs> Arthur Ashe Courage Award, because I kept watching the Larry Nasser victims <gasps> being acknowledged for their courageous and outspoken. Speaking of another terrible documentary that will wreck your life. Which one was So that? good. The Larry Nasser one. Do they have an official documentary about it? Oh my God, it's on HBO. Do you people not own a television? <laughs> no. Oh, it's awful. I mean, it's... I'll shut up now. Go. No, but so I kept watching that. I think when we had our cousins over to have like a pizza gathering just, you know, here at your home where we record, um, I, Emma showed up and I was in tears because I was watching all of the related videos because when it was happening, like I was very into gymnastics and I heard the snippets, but then I had seen for the first time the clip of all of the women and that only represented like a portion of them. And there are hundreds of women up on stage all survivors of Larry Nasser's abuse, all coming together to speak out against prioritizing reputations of adults over child athletes because they were children when all of this happened. And it was just like so emotionally overwhelming just to see the breadth of his influence in the sport that is so founded on silence and blind trust of authority figures. So someone like Larry Nasser or maybe others who have not come to light yet have the perfect opportunity to thrive and take advantage of young kids. So, but then Allie Raisman is a fucking bamf. She was the uh, most decorated female gymnast in the 2012 
Olympics. She returned to the 2016 Olympics, did phenomenally well. And then she shows up in this hot pink blazer looking like absolute going for war. And she lays into him and the United States Gymnastic Committee and everyone involved in silencing the survivors and just like raises hell. And she's just like, I'm an Olympian. I'm a gold medalist. You have used my successes against me. And now I'm here to turn the tables. And then she gave a brilliant speech to the SBs too. So it ended in the very like... Emotionally overwhelming, but like positive trajectory of like these women are reclaiming their voices. So that was lovely. And that that was the end of the Kiki Burton talk. <laughs> <laughs> Kiki Burton was really just like a blind attempt to appeal to That's our. Right. Uh, our Emma tried to give a depth. With the voice <laughs> I, know. I feel it. Thanks, Emma. <laughs> Gay takes. Nick, tell us about your gay take this week. Okay, so I hope everyone's been watching Sex Education, and I talked to our legions, dozens of fans. This feels very like Arrested Development, like there are dozens of us, there are dozens of us who listen to this podcast. But it's a super fun teen dramedy type thing, based out of the UK. It's got Gillian Anderson in it, who is perfect as this sex education therapist of this... Honestly, he looks a lot like me. Otis <laughs> is the uh, protagonist. <laughs> would like a side-by-side comparison on the website if possible, Emma? Um, his name's Asa Butterfield, and we do have like similar vibes. We're just like aggressively lanky, Slenderman-esque looking teenagers. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's still an actual child, so it like works for him. But... He's 22. So season two just dropped just on dropped. Friday, and obviously I've watched all of it. Have you watched all of it? I, which, five. So, just in, like, the gay sense of it, there is a gay character who... Several. There are multiple gay characters, but one of the main gay characters is absolutely phenomenal. Oh, my God. And I feel like you have a lot to say about him because he feels right up your fucking alley. Well, he feels he, like Ladarian. Yes, Ladarius. Ladarius, Only yeah. more out and British. Oh, my God. Season one, he had a real arc change with his family, and then yeah. they ended up loving him, and then the bully in the town who has big ears and he's a dick ends up like making out with him and having sex with him and you're like what and then this year of course a super hot French dude comes to town and surprise surprise he gets him too Yeah. and the guy says I like people who are deep and like what, what do we do in this town and he's like I don't know it's really boring here he's like only boring people are bored which would have been an immediate red flag for me it's like okay I guess we're not gonna get along totally and then he like gives him a Pablo Neruda book which I don't think he reads but whatever sounds like me <laughs> I love him. I love his energy. I love his light. I, I thought season one was amazing. Yeah. Season two, I'm not as into. They go, the bully gets sent away to boarding school where these two guys are like, we'll be your one friend. Everyone's mean to them. And then they, he catches them jerking off together. And so they set him up and get him kicked out of school so he won't narc on them. And then says to the guy on the way out, like, they're gay. He's like, yeah, so am I. We like to keep that stuff to ourselves. So you're like, well, great. What the hell is this? It also felt like a very heavy-handed metaphor for the rest of the season. It's like, we like to keep that to itself. It's like, and now we're on a sudden arc of character (laughs) redemption where he will discover and not keep to himself his feelings. Does that happen? I'm not going to spoil all of it. Spoil away. What about our listener? Spoiler alert. Sirs, (laughs) listeners. (laughs) Does he come out and talk to his... I don't want to ruin it for you. Horrible father. I'm not that invested. I wanted it to my... But I'm just not that into it. I know, and that's fair. He does, yes, very publicly in a school play. Okay. That is conducted by the super weird girl who has vaginismus. Oh my god, I love her. 
There's a girl who just wants to have sex, and then every time she tries, it's a fail, and her <laughs> vagina shuts down, and they try all these exercises. So the the cute boy that was Nick's twin. <laughs> okay, so I'm he just saying we have similar-ass features. I'm not saying we're yeah, identical again, to each other. <laughs> no, not even from the same family tree. But he he is the Caucasian. son of... If, Jillian Anderson's character, who's a sex therapist, and then he ends up giving sex therapy to the school. He's really in love with this girl, Maeve. I hope they get together because he's obviously not in love with Ula, but whatever. Ola. Ola. Please come prepare. Okay, Larry, Jerry. <laughs> Ula, Ola, what is? Uma, Oprah. We'll just revisiting <laughs> that iconic and successful David Letterman moment. From the 90s, which you shouldn't even know about. I said, I have tangential knowledge about many things. Who knows so why? true. It's like my experience of Nell... From the movie Nell, <laughs> is entirely because Do of not even the- waste that moment. That is one of the best moments in TV ever. And that's you Nell from, from the, the movie, movie Nell. Nell. <laughs> that's how I know everything I know about Nell. And someone was talking about it. Oh, have you not watched the movie? I haven't seen it at all. I know Jodie Foster's Race in the Woods by herself. And I gleaned all of that from Retta's brilliant performance. And now I know all I need to to engage in a conversation. Fine leather goods. Those are her two best phrases from all of Parks and Rec. Fine leather goods. I love on the keyboard. She's like, I'm down to one word a minute, and the word is puffleless. That's such a good episode. Ron's got that circular desk. Oh my god, I love it. Oh, and so it good. also hella reminds me of the hostess we had at the restaurant I worked at in Blue Ash. And she was very fiery and vengeful. And she would just get like super over shifts, especially after we fired her best friend for like perfectly valid reasons. And she stopped taking people's actual names. So suddenly <laughs> I had a waiting room full of very angered, hangry guests who weren't being seated in their proper order because... The list of things I had to work with were just, like, amalgamations of letters that had no discernible meaning. And I was like, ma'am, I'm so sorry that you have not been seated in the expeditious manner in which you had hoped. Um, are you Flamborg or are you Smallborg? Because these are this is all I have to go on. Okay, which one of these are you? But at one time, she did write names down correctly. So she yes. was doing this one. She was books. very capable at her job. And this was a very malicious attempt at... Right anyway, on. so with sex education, there's a lot of representation. Lots. Of representation, which is lovely. The second season, I do feel like they have gone in too many different directions. It doesn't feel as tight, and there are too many characters, and that we're like diving super into the subplots, which can be done elegantly, but this just feels like we're doing it for the sake of doing it, and it just feels exhausting. Also, there's way less Amy than there needs to be. She was one of my favorite people, and she had that super iconic line when Maeve was asking about the address to someone, and she was like, I don't know, I just sort of arrive places. <laughs> Bad things happen to her on a bus. Yeah, it's not my... It, if you haven't seen the first season... Watch the first watch season. The, the first, first season. season is perfect. None of yeah. anything we said will have spoiled it really for you. Yeah, But it is still... <laughs> it's still worth it. It's still super worth it. And it is lovely just to see gay representation in a way that's not like... A huge deal always. Like, obviously, the main antagonist who goes to the boarding school, his dad can't cope with any part of his personality. Yeah. He can't cope with anything. With anything. But there are characters who are out and proud, and their struggles have nothing to do with admitting their sexuality to their peers. It simply becomes with, like, the mechanics of sex and the lack of, you know really tailored educational information that gay teens are given in their sexual education courses. So it is still super heartwarming to see that projected in a show that's hella popular, even if it has taken an artistic turn. But it did get to the point where, like, everyone was hella gay always. 
What's your gay take? So I was watching um, like a super educational show today called The View, which has a lot of really great representation. <laughs> <laughs> so there are like guilty pleasures and hate watch, and I like The View is my shit. I watch it every day. I it's got Meghan McCain. It's got Whoopi not wearing a bra and wearing her own fashion line of garbage bags and. Um, Sunny Hostin, who's really smart. I don't know what she's doing there. She's great. She's a lawyer. She's actually a smart person. Um, Joy's really funny when she's not being 70, whatever she is, going, huh, what? Asking the same question again to Bernie. You're like, hey. Um, and then Abby Huntsman quit this week because she's going to go help her Mormon fat father, whatever. Anyway, so today for Martin Luther King Day, there was a video that went viral a couple years ago. This chorus from, what's it called? It's in Baltimore, Car Cardinal Sheehan School. So it's a inner city school in Baltimore, Catholic school, predominantly African American, and they did a version of Rise Up, and it's like gorgeous and beautiful, and I'll rise up, and you watch it and you're like, ah! So fast forward to a year later, there is a Yiddish school in Baltimore also, and one of the kids from there thought it would be a really cool idea if these two churches got, choirs, excuse me, got together and shared a moment, right? So they're rehearsing together, and... It's this kid's idea, and he's super excited, and so then now they're going to perform in The View in public for the first time ever. So you're like, well, this is cool. I actually did a program like this with dance last year, and it was super successful. You know, you realize we're more alike than we are unalike. You're just, like, sharing the space together. I sing, you sing. I have this, you have that. We're all more alike than we are unalike. So then they get on stage, <laughs> and the African-American choir is on the left, and the white choir, Jewish choir is on the right. So they're not standing together. They're separate. But one at a time, like, one of them will come up and solo. One white kid, one black kid. And then they walk away. And then in the end. And so the song that they start singing is Reach Out and Touch Somebody's Hand. As you are currently. Yes, as I am currently. But in the 80s, on Saturday Night Live, Terry Sweeney, who was the first out and proud gay SNL person who's white, did a Diana Ross impression in blackface, which back then was not as problematic as it is now. You can't even find a video about it on YouTube. So he sang, reach out and touch. Oh, don't touch me. Don't touch my dress. Don't look at me. Don't touch my face. So as they start singing, reach out and touch someone's hand, I'm like laughing and thinking of Terry Sweeney and how inappropriate that was. Yeah. And then they sing John Lennon's Imagine. Once again, still separated. Sure. <laughs> and then the C's part and who comes out, but gay icon Billy Porter. Oh my gosh. To stand in the middle of them and overtake them all and out sing everybody. And, sure. I mean, what the Fuck is like, the message. I have I have no idea. Imagine all the people standing Separate, on opposite sides equal. of the stage. Like you're like, well, obviously they're gonna come together at the end, yeah, right? Yeah. Where there's gonna be some clapping, there's gonna be some group dynamic. Nope. Black people over here, Jews over there, Billy Porter in the center. <laughs> and you know why? Because it's on the view. The view is totally a piece of shit. And I love it, love it, love it. Love it. I like I love think, it. I think the message is that regardless of your background, regardless of your creed, no matter which side of the stage you stand on, Billy Porter will always do things better than you and deserves to be in the center of attention. What in the hell is Billy Porter doing on stage? I mean, he can sing. He's a Tony winner. He's a fashion icon. That yeah. outfit he wore by Christian Siriano is magic. You know, he's amazing, but... Is that the one who went to the Oscars when uh, Glenn Close had that super viral moment and that's all she got from the Oscars because she didn't win? Yeah, it was like a tuxedo but with a huge with a ball huge gown. gown dress. And now yeah. he just wore that like teal dress and he's on pose and he's amazing. He's fabulous, but this is about these two kids on opposite sides of Baltimore coming together, and they not to be together. Billy Porter's backup singers. <laughs> yeah, and then God love Whoopi, but she can't speak, so she tries to quote. 
Martin Luther King's quote, which is, and I'm going to read it so I don't mess it up like she did. If I cannot do great things, I can do small things in a great way. Instead, she says, we can all get together and do small stuff <laughs> instead of big things. And Fuck that was my things. my ode to Martin Luther King Jr. today. It was a horrendous episode of The View that is magical. Oh, my God. And just side take, Tyler Perry was on there. God, love Tyler Perry. Do you genuinely like Tyler Perry? Because As, he's divisive. Oh, well, is he? He recently, based on... Um, oh, the writer's room thing? The writer's room thing, yeah. Whatever. He is doing great things for the community. He has the first black-owned studio in the history of the world. Yeah. He makes terrible movies that, are, that I can't stand, but he's got a new one that's on Netflix that looks really bad. And I think we should definitely watch it. Like, had I known it was already on there, it's called Fallen from Grace. I don't know if you saw... Shit. What's the name of the movie with Ben Affleck? Gone Girl. Gone Girl. So then out of nowhere, here comes Tyler Perry in this, like, super serious movie, and he does a really good job. Yeah. So I think this is, like, a mystery... And you know it's just going to take bad turns. Maybe Medea will show up. I was like, is he going to play it, all the characters? No, but I, it looks sinister. From the clip that they showed on The View, I was like, oh, number one, this looks like it's going to be it's terrible. And like, we're going to watch it a thousand times. So, Fallen from Grace. One of the things that I most love about you, and the list is innumerable, but it's how excited you get watching Catastrophe and just pure <laughs> pop culture chaos. Yes, it does. When you don't sleep or go outside yeah. that often it's great you know when something fantastic like that happens like I've watched Cheer again I can't wait to watch AJ and the Queen again I got all these things in my queue lined up sure 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 it makes me happy yeah. they're my friends which like is another reason that we've so connected because they're my friends too I've recently re- started rewatching Greek do you remember Greek from ABC Family so exceptionally not great but better than I was expecting <laughs> and like still a fun time Kelsey Grammer's daughter is on it Spencer yeah her name's Spencer And it was on ABC Family. It was, you know, an elevation of the teen show because now they're at college, so they're they're older teens. (laughs) And it's just, like, basic Greek life. But there was a gay character there, and I remember really responding to that character in 2006 because I was not out yet, and I was just like, oh, my God, we're the same. Where's my TV show about that? It's coming. Yeah. It's definitely coming. Did you see Melania's tweet earlier today? No. About, like, basically, like, it is Martin Luther King Jr.'s day? And that was the crux of it. Which was just that positive. We're trying to be positive. Positivity. This is a dark week. Well, let's shift into how are you staying positive with this cold, oppressive weather this week? I'm wearing as many clothes as possible. <laughs> you do have like 18 layers. On. <laughs> I do. They were like, "Do you want to take off your? Oh, you already took off your overcoat." <laughs> <laughs> I have on currently a tank top, a long sleeve shirt, a sweater, a North Face fuzzy because I go on adventures, a short jacket, and then a full length North Face. We'll put links to all the items on our <laughs> website so you can dress just as Julie does. I want to talk about your high school reunion because I still want to hear about it. Oh, uh, my high school reunion? Yeah. <laughs> so, well, first of all, we had been talking about your high school reunion where you had a super Liz Lemon moment. Oh, yes. Where, if anyone who's not seen 30 Rock, she takes on this mantra of like, I was a caterpillar and then flutter, flutter, flutter. Here I am a butterfly. I'm going to rejoin this my classmates. This is not the part we're talking about. Yes, go ahead. Um, and she comes in and realizes that not only was she the outcast, she was also the super cynical, cruel girl that everyone was afraid of because she was super mean. Yes, that part. I, I wasn't thinking, wow, I was a caterpillar, now I'm a butterfly. I was just thinking, wow, I, I didn't have any friends and I was really heavy and no one ever talked to me. And then I got there and everyone's like, you were a real bitch. I'm like, I was? <laughs> I'm like, I feel like nobody ever talked to me or whatever. They're like, that's because you were really mean. And I was like, oh, really? I was like, well, I have no memory of that, but I'm sure you're right. So I'm really sorry. I had a really tough childhood, just like you, I'm sure, and I, I'm really sorry. 
So I'm so just, five minutes later, you know, you were a bitch. I'm like, I, I got it. I've apologized. How soon after that did you leave? Do you want to talk about it? Well, after two more people. Sure. And I was like, and we're done. <laughs> I can go home and feel bad for myself alone without people telling me I was a terrible person. Yeah. But that, we were talking about your high school year. Um, so yeah, I recently had my 10-year high school reunion. And my senior year of high school, they give you the little name tags that have your senior photos on them. And even I was like, oh my God, was that from like seventh, eighth grade? No, I literally looked that young. Just like Asa Butterfield and sex education, identical. Um, Massive eye rolling from both people sitting at the table. But at that point, I had only been in the throes of puberty for like a month. So (laughs) nothing had really happened to me. And I do look pretty strikingly different, mostly because I'm a healthy weight now, and I'm medicated. Oh boy, are we humble bragging back to our anorexia of the last podcast? It was not safe. we beat that to death. It was not safe. Anyway, but I came back, and it was super nice to reconnect to everyone as someone who is now medicated and can actually (laughs) speak, because I was super silent, super sad, very dour, just like not in a good place emotionally. And I came back in a marginally better place emotionally, but also more confidence in myself that, you know, is maybe unearned, but still feel it. Did you have, like, some friends that you've kept since high school? Not really. Like, I mean, I do have friends that I've kept since high school that I'll, like, when I see them, I'll be like, hey, what's up? We don't stay in constant communication at all. I'm very much a person where it's, like, out of sight, out of mind. If we're not seeing each other on a daily basis, it's very difficult for me to maintain any sort of relationship. (laughs) And with anyone, with ever. anyone, anyone ever. But once they re-entered my life, it's like no time has passed, and so I really capitalized on that moment, and it was a fucking blast. That's great. I'm really proud of myself. I can't believe you went. I like you no. Know, I was excited about it because I was like, I'm gonna have a Cinderella moment. I've seen all. I prepared. I've watched all of these Netflix TV shows about teenagers doing well, and now I'm gonna revisit it, knowing all that I do now. And there was a dinner or a brunch or what did you go to? Yeah, we went to this dinner um, at a place that my dad used to live at during his like banned drug days when he first moved to Cincinnati. So it was an interesting full circle moment in a lot of ways. I'm glad it went well for you. Thank I'll never you. go to another one. Just so I'm going to your 20 year with you. <laughs> it's already passed, Nick. Did it? Yes. I'm going to your 30 year with you. It's, it's this year. It's this year? Yeah. What are we wearing? We are not. You can go ask me and see who transitioned into. You really need to let that go. Well, so I told the story 19 times. And I'm telling it one more time. So I was giving a speech. I was helping to coach other people, but I'm transitioning from one job to another. And the host of the event, in front of 150 people, instead of saying, you know, I'm just a community worker or whatever, said, "This is Julie, and she's transitioning." And everyone looked at me like, <laughs> "Oh my god!" And I was like, um, "Not genders, just job roles." But. Now, anytime anyone says the word transitioning, I'm triggered. Yeah. Um, since you haven't asked me, I'm going to talk about how I'm dealing with this week. Oh. <laughs> I have a propensity to remove myself entirely from stressful situations, both like dissociative in the moment and physically by leaving. And both are hella helpful to me. Totally. But I also get stuck in that sort of social isolation mode. So to cope This week, I've decided to be more open about my emotions and talk to people more presently, and I fucking hated it. (laughs) And I think I'm going to stick with isolation. Well, do you have an example? Yeah, so my friend from college recently came to visit me, 
And well, she was visiting her family. I'm just also here. It wasn't like super about me. But I was sort of talking about things that I was going through. And usually I would just be like, this is an affectation of who I think you want me to be. It's like, what personality do you want? I got I to gotta host it on. And then I was a little more open about everything. But I just felt super raw and weird that I immediately clamped up like that girl with vaginismus on sex education. And I was like, no more. So maybe it takes more practice and exposure. Yeah, probably more than one. Maybe more than twice. I think it's good. Or not. Like it. I mean, not. I'm not pushing you to do it. Yeah. It's just a nice experiment yeah. to watch. That's fair. Take me away. So let's talk about our takeaways from this week and moving on to next week. Go, Nick, go. So I was listening to a tidbit that Emma posted on our takes podcast Instagram website, which was the bit about Martina Navratilova that I can't pronounce. <laughs> um and I have a very, and I think most people do, a very visceral reaction to my own voice. And all the confidence that I have is based on delusion. And when I'm presented with a raw example of myself and its true form, like my voice, I find it very off-putting. So my takeaway is I think we should both listen to a full episode of a podcast. I'm going to fight your premise because... The sound that you hear inside of your head of what your voice sounds like yeah. is your true hearing of it. So hearing it from external is not a true representation is that of true? what we hear. We're hearing it in a different filter. We're hitting it from like inside our heads. But isn't that what when people we hear? inside our mouths. Yeah, but yes, but they won't have the same horrendous reaction to our voices that we do, <laughs> hopefully. Or that guy in Netherlands is out already. Well, kiki or no kiki. I've pandered to him pretty hardcore, so I'm hoping that he'll return to the fold. Lerv. Lerv. <laughs> Yes, just in case you don't know, Nick and I have yet to listen to all the hard work that Emma's done to edit and produce these episodes. She's like, oh, I did this, and I did that. We're like, me. That's super yeah. fun. Yeah. We're in our isolation chambers trying to make this weighted blanket work. I know. I also saw the Instagram post that has a link to the website that Emma has created. Yeah. And thought that it was really funny, but thought that our, sound, our voices were very grating, especially mine. But also mine as well. Well, we sound a lot alike. We do sound a lot alike. <laughs> So maybe that's a good entry. I mean, I just like, ooh, gosh, it was it was an experience um, to hear myself. And I was like, how do we even have that many listeners? So. <laughs> but I think it would be helpful if we actually listen to the hard work that Emma has put forth. Yeah, again, no pressure. <laughs> it may or may not be helpful. Maybe that's just my takeaway from It may me. shut us down for the rest of our lives. All, <laughs> all spoons have been removed from the building as well as the knives. We're all alone. <laughs> my knives are out, and I'm ready to win some awards this holiday season. All right, well, since that's been rebuffed violently. No, no, go for it. You may do whatever you want. You are obviously into taking risks right now and being emotionally vulnerable and listening to your Because I talked voice. about myself, like, purely one time and then immediately shut up. All right. Okay, so I guess I just gave myself homework. Great. What is your Well, it's not away? like you do any of the homework I give you, so. Well, that's true. Maybe I'll do it if it's, like, self-prescribed. But that's my takeaway for win. this week, have you watched Please Like Me? Yes. Oh, my God. Okay. Don't even. So... <laughs> Josh Thomas, absolutely love him. Did a show called Please Like Me. It's where Hannah Gatsby first began. Yeah. If you haven't watched the Hannah stand-up, not even stand-up, one-person show about amazingness on Netflix, do that immediately. But anyway, he wrote the part for her and just said, you be you. I'm just going to write to you. And I felt like that show was beyond authentic, right? It wasn't just like how we really talk to each other. It's how we would talk to each other in our heads if we really weren't afraid. It's just so beautiful. So he has a new show that's on Freeform. And it's called Everything's Gonna Be Okay. And I watched the first episode, and it's pretty 
Oh, contrived. No. Um, but I'm gonna give it a chance. Yeah. But my takeaway is to go back and watch Please Like Me again because it is one of the best shows in the history of the world. Unless you're feeling low and then don't watch the last season because it could send you over the top. Yeah. But it's so well done and I love him so much. So I'm gonna push forward with everything's gonna be alright. But you tell me what you thought about Please Like Me. It was excellent. That's oh apparently you have forgotten. That's one of the first things we bonded over. I don't know was, what you're talking about. Um Clearly, I have an encyclopedic <laughs> knowledge of our relationship and friendship, and you texted me back, who effort. is this? Yes, who, new phone. No who phone, who is this? You totally did that to me. Sorry. Remind I, me, I'm sorry, I forgot. I'm old. What, no, what did we talk about? Me. Please like me. Pretty much that we loved it. It was a super <laughs> deep and powerful moment that I can't believe you've forgotten. It was quite good. And everything was enjoyable. The Hannah character was lovely, especially when they're in the psych ward and they're doing that choreographed dance. Oh my god, what's the song? I know the moves. Yeah. Talk about the sunlight. You're about sunshine. <laughs> it's all about the boogie. Yes. Don't blame it on the sun. Yeah. Oh my god, I love it. So amazing. Because first of all, it was like gay character. Obviously, I'm in. And then it went into like dealing with depression and dealing with mental illness. And it was just like, oh, wow, you've taken two pretty core elements of my life and combined them in a way that's super refreshing, super endearing, super funny. And it was, I mean, initially I did start watching because of that snack that he was dating in the first episode that was like, oh my God. naked in the bathroom. That's the song. Five, six, seven, seven eight. eight, my boot scooting, baby, driving me crazy. crazy. I love that song. My obsession, my all days. Uh, anyway. I also feel like he. And then he knows the words, and they're all like, oh my God, we should keep him. But I also feel like, sorry, Frank, Josh Thomas did what Mindy Kaling did also and said, I'm moderately attractive, but I'm gonna write myself a show where hot people have to make out with me because I'm the boss. Yeah. I mean, good on you, right? Australian. Very Australian. Now who's fucking pandering? Thomas. No, no. Gonna go to Macca's later in the Arvo? I'm not pandering. I'm just... He's Australian. I maybe don't know what that word means. <laughs> I thought it was a synonym for something else. Frank's very upset. <laughs> I'm sorry, buddy. Um, but anyway, I love him. I love that show. Yeah. I just think he's amazing. But yes, back to Mindy Kaling. She said openly, I wanted hot guys to have to make out with me, so I'm just gonna write a show where they do. It's what a fucking like Josh did the same thing. Yeah. Because no, he does... She's still all alone, though, and has to raise a child by herself, and is still not with anybody. I don't know the Josh is either. He just doesn't have a child. No, but his Insta stories are fun. He's at least out having fun. Every picture of Mindy Kaling is her by herself. Like, what do you think of this outfit? <laughs> it's really taking a turn for Kelly Kapoor. <laughs> I didn't watch The Office. I only know her from The Mindy Project, which I love. I feel like maybe you should watch just like a I best tried. of Kelly Kapoor okay. compilation on YouTube. Right. That'll I, be your actual homework. I do appreciate back to please like me real quick. Please. How Josh Thomas makes a lot of self-deprecating jokes, and that's the crux of his humor. It's just like, you know, he'll he made that mention once that his face looked like it had been partially masticated or something. Anyway, um, yeah. What else you got? Anything? Anything you need to get off your chest before we shut this shit down? <laughs> I feel like I've talked about myself a lot. Oh, well, a bit of mouth. Yeah. How about you? <laughs> Um, I highly recommend The View. I would love to review Whoopi Goldberg's fashion line at some point. Do a review. <laughs> she, uh, but I, so I implore you to look up her fashions. Yeah. So she says, I refuse to wear a bra, mm -hmm. even though she is old and large. And so you can see that that's happening. And then she makes just the world's ugliest clothes you've ever seen. And she's like, I'm a fashion mogul. She's an EGOT winner. 
she is she's a, she's an EGOT winner. It turns out she was going to quit. Yeah. There's a fantastic book um, called Girls Who Punch, and it's about the women of the View and the backstory. And everyone talked to him except for Whoopi and one other person, Megan McCain. Um, and Whoopi was not going to come back, but it turns out she supports like her entire gigantically large family because she had her daughter Alex at like seventeen or something. No. So now she has great grandchildren and she like supports her whole family. The View is the worst of the worst, and I love it so much. May, did you see Elizabeth Warren's interview on of course. The View? I do not miss it. Yeah. <laughs> How many consecutive years have you watched it? Years and years and years. years. Yeah. I watch old ones on YouTube. It's amazing. Yeah. Elizabeth Hasselbeck. What is it? What I was like. <laughs> Couldn't hate her more. Who do you love to hate more, Elizabeth Hasselbeck or Meghan McCain? So Meghan McCain, it's not that she... So like Elizabeth Hasselbeck, you could tell, was being fed talking points sure. about Republican things that she really didn't know anything about. So she was just like skinny and annoying and that. Megan McCain is just a spoiled brat. Yeah. And so she just talks over people. She's really rude. Um, and then her points are ridiculous. So it's different. You know, I don't know if you know this, but her dad was John McCain. I don't know if you know this, but he passed away. Uh, that's news to me. I guess I need to watch, well, the, watch the show one week and you'll be like, every single Whoa. fucking mama. Sorry. And she's like, you try standing out here and taking a bullet every day. You try being me. It's like, oh, you're getting paid. You could leave. Like, this is not <laughs> this the not hostage the situation that your father was in. This is the view. Yeah. <laughs> Feel free to go. My first experience with her um, was when she was on the Bill Maher show. Um, but she was on there and she tried to make. She tried to make. Okay, I will. <laughs> No, it's not you. So Megan McCain was on Belmar, and what happened? Um, I'm literally getting like crazy <laughs> rapid up hand signals. It's fine. We're chill. But now I need to know. I'll shut it down. I don't remember her on Belmar. Um, okay, let me say it really rapidly, like Trisha Pateas. Um She was on the Bill Maher show and she said something super snide and snippy that she didn't remember something because, or she didn't have a comment on some historical event because she wasn't alive during it. And this dude retorted, well, I wasn't alive during the French Revolution, but I still know about it. And she was just like, do you know who my dad is? Sort of thing. <laughs> um, so that's my experience with Mike McCann. Truth Booth. Hey everyone, it's Emma here in the Truth Booth. Just got a couple of corrections from today's episode. First of all, we're not super sorry about it, but... Julie did call Aaron Hernandez Aaron Menendez at the top of the show. Also, the name of Hannah Gatsby's stand-up special is Nanette, and you should definitely watch it. It's great. And the Josh Thomas show that uh, they were referring to that's not Please Like Me is called Everything's Gonna Be Okay, though we sometimes called it Everything's Gonna Be All Right, <laughs> which is fine. Um, and don't forget to check out our website, takespod.com. For links and other goodies that'll help you keep pace with Nick and Julie's hot takes. Thanks, guys. Takes All Over the Place is a project of Team Takes, a.k.a. Nick Cotter, Julie Sunderland, and Emma Cotter. With the invaluable sound editing help from Phil Cotter and Frank. <laughs> the awesome toenails on the wood floor from Frank. <laughs> we love you, Frank. <laughs>